This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next time the ball! Every story. So we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys. It's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, don't ever let me crack a joke again on the pod. Uh, three weeks ago, we're joking about Taylor's. Two days later, Taylor shuts down forever. Then last week, we're joking about how, oh, we'll get Kelly Graves on after he cuts down two more nets. And now there's no nets to cut. Um, it's been what I called on my show the craziest ever week in the world of sports. And uh, as proof of that, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, I'm at my home. I've got my home studio set up. Justin is on his phone at his place out in Sam's Valley. And we're, we're trying to do this podcast. Um, the, the obvious question to start us off, J-Hop, Wednesday... Everything just went nuts. Walk me through that Wednesday for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It just, I, I, I don't, I guess I didn't, I can't pinpoint a day like you can. Um, you know, certainly it's been a crazy week. Um, you know, I know obviously with me having kids in basically every level, one in elementary, one in middle school, one in high school. You know, you start looking at stuff and reading about stuff and, and, and everything. And, and I would probably say, and, I, you know, again, I know we talked about this pre-show. I don't want to get too much into the coronavirus. It's, right. you know, it, at this point, we're all very well aware of it. I know it's a very touchy matter for a lot of folks, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, you could definitely count me on the side that was, you know, kind of, hey, look, this thing will blow over in a little bit. It's no big deal. It's a virus. And then, you know, it, it really quickly turned for me where I, I realized that, hey, this thing's not going away anytime soon. Um, I, I didn't think we'd be shutting down restaurants and bars and stuff, but I do understand the precautions and the reasons why. So, yeah, kids are home. I've uh, been working all week with the kids at home, which I'm, I'm more fortunate than most. I still do have an income coming in, although it's definitely taken a hit. Um, you know, subscriptions are, are down, and I understand why, and I get all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't taken the complete blow of not making any income, so I'm thankful for that. And um, I don't know. We just keep going forward, I guess. That's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was just mind-boggling to me Wednesday when the news started pouring in, first the NBA, and then Thursday, everything happening uh, collegiately. My first thought was I was so sad for that Oregon women's team because I, I really believe if we don't have this happen, I, I know they're number two in the polls, but if they don't have this happen, I think they would have won it all. Yeah, I, I, I mean, no disrespect to South Carolina. I know they're very good, totally different team than Oregon is. But, uh, man, I got to think a, a team that can beat – you know, the U.S. women's basketball team can can run through the Pac-12, which was easily the best conference for women's basketball this year. Um, and you really just, I, I believe we saw them kind of turn the corner there at the end of the season and really laser-focused. 
uh, you know, really starting after the the unfortunate Kobe Bryant death. And, right. and I think we just really saw them come together and say, hey, let's go win this thing for Kobe. And I think they were definitely on the path to do that. So, yeah, I, I feel worse there because you have Sabrina Unescu coming back, you know, for, for this, specifically for this. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Minion Moore who transferred for, up from USC, you know, essentially knowing she'd be a part of, of a very special team. Um, you know, Satu, Ruthie, um, I feel awful for Ruthie as well. All the seniors, all the players. Um, yeah, the women's team probably definitely has the biggest impact. I know uh, the men's team was there and, and kind of making a push. I'm not sure how much they were going to be able to pull it together, you know, in terms of, of making a super deep run, but they were they were definitely looking like they were getting into the tournament, no doubt, and, and maybe making some noise. Um, and then spring ball. I mean, to yeah. see this, this I'm really curious to see how this because you, now here we are. We're talking about spring ball, and, and it's an it's it's an even Steven for everybody. Everybody's in the same boat. But you know, how does this impact you know football in the fall? How does this impact you know football in August? It's just right. wild times, absolutely wild times. And, and let's turn there because I I think you more than anybody in the country i think you're plugged in in a way where you could answer this question uh last night on my radio show here locally i was saying i thought right now with what we know it's crazy to think that there could be spring ball i think it's going to be gone I, i don't think we'll have anything till the summer um and if that's the case how does this impact duck football yeah i i don't uh I don't know what you do. I don't know what the answer is. You know, obviously, we don't know how long this thing will go. Um, you'd love to see. I, I mean, from this point, from this date, you're talking about spring, the spring game for most people, uh, you know, it was circled around the April 18th date. You know, some people might have it at 23rd, um, you know, and that's a Saturday, April 18th. Um, so we're basically just about a, a month out from today. And you got to think. I mean, I, I don't know. Do they do a? Sh- I mean, is there an opportunity for them to do a shortened, you know, like spring practice schedule, and then ultimately, you know, play a quick game? Because not only that, you're also really going to have to figure out how this adjusts the recruiting timeline. Because essentially, that's how spring football is being built around anymore. They've got that spring evaluation period that's very critical for a lot of schools, and you know that is why we've seen spring football starts sooner and spring games played sooner so those coaches can be done and get out on the road in that very important spring recruiting period so uh, again uh, obviously tons of questions you and I don't have the answers we're seeing it all play out just like uh, just like the coaches and the administration is for that for that matter um I, it's man I don't know are they gonna have a big huge asterisk next to this college football season because of of the way springs played out um it, I feel like Oregon's really losing a lot of gusto here because I think that's a pro. Uh, cutting out a little bit there. Oh, all right. Well, we'll stay patient. Hopefully, I don't lose him here. <laughs> first, uh, first remote broadcast between the two of us, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, and uh, oh, that's my internet. Can you hear me? Yeah, but it's coming through my phone. Which so that's fine. All right, I was trying to use a headset. Okay, right. you can hear me. Yeah, okay. I'll just I'll just hold the phone up to my ear, old school. Yeah, 
bouncing back and forth, uh, improvised for a couple of minutes, and uh, eventually uh, we switched on the phone call. I believe we were talking about how COVID-19 and, and more importantly, all the cancellations impact duck football practice. Yeah, uh, you know, um, of course, this is even across the spectrum for everybody. Everybody's at the mercy of the schedule and all the decisions. Um, you know, I, I do feel as though a program like Oregon uh, is definitely feeling this because I think one of the biggest advantages Oregon has had in the Pac-12 and in college football under Mario Cristobal has been the fourth quarter program. And that really, really takes place in the winter and in the spring. Um, you know, right now there's no mandatory workouts. You, I mean, you, you just can't be doing any of that stuff. It's completely um, – it's just off the grid. So, I mean, a lot of players have gone back home to visit with family. Um, you know, who knows when they'll come back. Everybody's doing finals this week. Uh, and then there was a spring break that was about to take place for, for Oregon academically. So, um, yeah, I just, I think Oregon's lost some of its momentum there a little bit from this, but you know, everyone has, is in the same boat. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's moved up their spring games and the start of spring ball to kind of work around the early, uh, the early evaluation period for recruiting in the spring. Um, and that's why you see a lot of spring games on the 18th. So coaches can get on the road after that weekend. And, you know, now we don't know, we just don't know. I mean, do they, you know, do they open things back up and do coaches decide, you know, to, to, to go through a spring ball or do they attack recruiting or, or what do you do? It's just, uh, man, it's just, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, you mentioned that early timeline for recruiting's sake. I know every program in the nation is going through this, but do you think do you think that this um, hurts the Ducks more than other programs? Does it help the Ducks more than other programs? Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, um, it, it's tough to say. I mean, from my experience, the, the only thing I can I can really see impacting Oregon is the fact that, you know, they're uh, more of a destination school. And what I mean by that is, is is you're electing to go visit Oregon. And by doing that, you know, the, the kids that come from Texas or they come from Utah or they come from Florida or Georgia or wherever they come from, even Arizona for that matter, you know, you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to go visit Oregon, maybe Oregon State, Washington, but those are kind of those schools in that footprint. And it, it becomes a bit of a destination. It's not the school that, oh, hey, look, my weekend's open. I'm just going to drive on over because it's an hour and check them out. Like you can do at USC or UCLA or Georgia or Florida or those types of programs. So for Oregon, you know, I think this becomes a bit of a problem because you take up a couple, who knows how long, but you're taking up some very important weeks, you know, spring breaks and things like that that are coming up for the high schoolers that typically would set a visit to Oregon because they're calendars a little more open and now they're not able to do that so um yeah does it does it does it hurt Oregon no doubt it hurts Oregon it hurts everybody there's no question about that but I think when you're talking about the way Oregon recruits and being you know basically so far from the recruiting hotbed I think it definitely has a uh, definitely has an impact on Oregon for sure yeah um talking about duck football and you know I I I wonder, um, you know, the positive I would say is we, we've we've talked for over a year now about how proactive Mario Cristobal is, 
So when I see, hey, uh, recruiting is is canceled or, you know, we can't have recruiting in this period, I think the Ducks are going to be a little bit okay because they've already put some work in. But then one part of me wonders, this is normally the time of the year where they put all that extra work in. So it's going to be really fascinating, I think, to see all this play out. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, from my understanding and just from the conversations I'd had in the weeks leading up to the last week or two, Oregon felt like there was a really good opportunity for them to seize some momentum and, and maybe capture three, four, five, maybe even six commits over the next, say, six weeks or so. you got the spring game and you've got some other things coming up that you were going to be able to recruit around. And and if if that's the case, if we look at that, that puts Oregon potentially – around the number 12 we'll just i mean that's a that's a fair number that puts them around 12 commits well i don't expect this to be a big class there just isn't the room so you know if oregon say you know taking say 20 commits in this class or 20 signees which is probably pretty close within one or two yeah you've already done more than half of your work before you know before the month of may for for that matter potentially so i think there was some really really very real possibility of that I think early commitments really allow Oregon to hone in on who they want to recruit moving forward and kind of specialize on those guys, really go after the big name guys and try and bring them in. With And this is a really good class, too. It's not just them filling up with in-state guys or, or, or low-star guys. This is a really highly ranked class, currently number nine in the country, on rivals in 24-7 sports. Um, you, you definitely – pull away some of that momentum for Oregon. Of course, it's not there for the other schools, but I think the biggest part is once air travels back open back up all the way or once schools open up all the way, it's very hard to get a flight into Oregon. It's very hard to set those up and get those visits done, especially if the coaches are out on the road during the week, potentially if they're out recruiting, right. if that's allowed or not. So um, it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's very intriguing times, and, and I think I, I, it definitely puts a lot more on the plate of the coaches because if you're having to recruit really hard in during the season, which Oregon didn't have to do a ton of last season, obviously that diverts some of your attention away from game plan and, and getting your, your players ready and doing those sorts of things uh, week in and week out. So, uh, again, everybody's in the same boat, but uh, – yeah, it, it definitely uh, it definitely has an impact on Oregon. Hopefully they can come out of this and, and just kind of hit the ground running. Uh, I don't know how you do that, but I'm sure Mario Cristobal is in there game planning right now, if I had to guess. He might be the only one in the offices, but he's probably in there if I had to make a bet. Yeah, a couple of questions uh, they're following up for you. You mentioned game planning and, and kind of the priority of this coaching staff when they get into the season. I, I remember you telling me, might have been off off air, like pre-show sort of thing, uh, a few months ago. You were telling me about the Ducks' weekly prep process, how Mario likes to, to really focus in. Uh, let's say you're going to L.A., you're playing USC, and it's USC week, and, and you're not sending your coaches out, visiting a lot of high schools, you're focusing on USC. Or Oregon State, it's Oregon State week. Or Stanford, it's Stanford week, right? It's really focused. Um, and, and it sounds like you're saying if if we see any sort of uh, backup of this through the spring and into the summer, that that might change and, and that might really force the Ducks to change how they prepare. Yeah, you make a great point, and, and that is something that has been talked about before is the fact that, you know, 
under under other coaching staffs and other coaches still do it today but Oregon you know when they would visit uh, you know like USC or UCLA as you mentioned in Los Angeles the night before typically a game would be on a Saturday the night before on a Friday night you know coaches would would blitz the town they'd pick five or six schools and send a coach or two to each one and, and visit the top guys and you know let them know they were there to watch and and, and that's an important thing but <laughs> Under Mario Cristobal, they've done less and less of that. Um, a, they've been fortunate that they haven't had to do that uh, a great deal because of the early commitment. Um, but secondly, it, it is allows them to you know really focus in on on the opponent. Um, you know, spend the time with the team, making sure everybody's got all their questions answered and everything's all set. Um, yeah, that's definitely something that could potentially change. Uh, you know, more importantly, I I see a huge problem here for Oregon in the fact that, and they're not the only school to do this, but the, the fact that you're breaking in a brand-new offensive line, a brand-new quarterback, and a brand-new offensive coordinator, they got to practice four times. That's a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't come to that because I would hate to see uh, game plans change during the season. The other thing I wanted to follow up on with you, um, when we – when you you talk about this idea of of Oregon um, having having some experience on that staff that I think can really help them, you have a an, a head coach in Joe Moorhead who's now your offensive coordinator. You have a a guy in Andy Avalos who I think could be a head coach who is your defensive coordinator, and you have a guy who's been a head coach before in Mario Cristobal. Is it safe to say they've got an advantage on some other programs that are trying to plan their way through this? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's a a, a huge advantage. I mean, everybody's in the same boat. Um, I think what you're saying, and I agree with. There's a lot of leadership there. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of guys that are going to basically try to figure out how to navigate this the best way possible whatever solution that might be um you know if if your coaches are still working hard and staying in touch with their players with their position group and working with those guys um i mean you could still get them uh you know ways to study you can still send them out um you know information or or if you want them to study formations or start looking at opponents and things like that you could still get that to them uh you know thankfully through email and the world wide web that we now have you can do video. You can do all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, USC's in a similar boat. They've got a brand-new defensive coordinator um, in Todd Orlando this year, so they're trying to put in a new defense. Oregon's trying to put in uh, a new offense or a different offense. Um, just so many adjustments that everybody's now got to take a step back and say, okay, what's the most efficient and effective way for us to do this in what is more than likely a shortened time, time frame? Um you know, and man, I don't know. It's just it's so many things that you roll around in your head, and it's the you know when your kids are young and they say, "Hey, well, what if? What if? What if?" It feels like right. we're doing that as adults right now about sports. Um, with you know, given what's going on in the world, is pretty inconsequential at the point. But you know, you and I are here to kind of take a break from all that and give folks something to listen to besides coronavirus coverage. So that's what we're merely attempting to do at this point. Right. For for me, it's. I mean, I, I could talk about building toilet paper forts and fighting over meat at the grocery store, but for me, with sports, the, the question is, how does this impact sports? 
and uh, we, we've already seen how it impacted the NBA, how it impacted all of soccer worldwide, uh, baseball. I think the NFL is is trying to put on a good face, but even they've kind of taken a punch to the chin with all of this and the draft getting <laughs> moved and changed and tweaked and all sorts of things. Um, but with football, there's just a lot of questions there. And uh, the, the other thought I had with recruiting, and, and I'll toss this one to you because you're the expert on this. This is really the start of the year for seven on seven. And right. and I, I think probably some of the, the conferences and some of the, uh, the scrimmages that guys go to to get noticed and get exposure. And I wonder how this will affect all of that. Yeah, that's a great question because, you, you know, you talk about the Rivals camps or the Nike camps and, and, and some of these big seven-on-seven tournaments that are great for exposure for uh, for prospects, for, for kids. And that's been one of the things that's really truly escalated um, the recruiting timeline is being able to get out there in the spring. And, and then, of course, you add in social media and being able to get all of that information out in such a quick manner you know, that's really changed the game of recruiting. It, it didn't used to be that way. It used, I mean, it used to heavily rely on your senior tape in the fall. Coaches didn't really know who you were until they got to go watch a few of your games. And, and that's very much out the window. I mean, obviously, they're watching sophomores and juniors and, and, and then watching them in the spring with seven on seven. And again, you know, we talk about Oregon and, and other colleges having spring football and that being an important time to develop and get ready for the fall. You know, there's a lot of high schools out there, powerhouses like Modern Day or St. John Bosco, breaking in new quarterbacks. And, right. and seven-on-seven is a way for them right. to go out and develop chemistry with those new receivers or existing receivers and make those teams better. And, you know, yeah, is it seven-on-seven seven and not tackle football? Sure. But, you know, throwing is throwing and catching is catching. And, and at the end of the day, all of that's going to help them get better. And, and now that's at least on pause at the very least right now. Um, and yeah, I wonder just, I just wonder, like you said, how does this affect the recruiting timeline? Because, uh, it's just been so, uh, elevated the last couple of years and everything that we're experiencing right now with the coronavirus, at least at this particular time frame, seems as though it's going to push some of those things back. But, uh, um, I, yeah, I, I'd be, I'll be curious to see some of the rulings here on the visit periods and some of these other things and, and see what the NCAA does, because they're certainly going to have to take that into account, um, at least moving forward with how this has changed the dynamic so far. What kind of things do you think the NCAA could do to help this situation? You know, I, I think first and foremost, uh, I know they've already started to loosen up some of the official visits. Junior college players can visit in the spring, which is not something that's, uh, that's been going off very long. You know, I, I think you're really going to have to open that up and, and make it. It's fairly open now, but I, I really think that's going to be emphasized uh, because let's face it, there's a lot of young men um, that just don't have the means to make all these visits and, and do all these things. And at the end of the day, a lot of them would like to have made their recruiting decision and their commitment and be able to put everything that goes along with that behind them so they can focus on their senior season. Obviously, a lot of them want to play their senior year. They you know, want to help their team get into a position to win a state title. And recruiting takes a ton of time. So if you're able to kind of put that behind you, you know, by August and focus on your team, it, it, it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders. Now, that's not for everybody. That doesn't apply to every recruit, but it applies to a lot. Um, you know, so you just start to wonder what they'll do, what they'll do with the spring evaluation period, how much of that will be chewed up um, as we're all on pause. Will they extend it? Will they change it? 
Um, you know, like you mentioned, a, a lot of programs uh, were, were taking part in satellite camps, which can be very beneficial for prospects getting offers. That's where coaches go and, and go to a camp off their campus and evaluate players that show up. Um, you know, those are very valuable for, for student athletes trying to get new scholarship offers. So, you know, how will they adjust for all this? Um, again, it's, it's, it's all going to be even. Everybody's under the same umbrella. I do get all of that. But when you're talking about a school like Oregon that's so geographically challenged, I just can't help but think that this really, really does have an impact on them more than some others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I know we don't want to go too negative, but when, when you say that, it makes me think. Uh, last night, I, I went through the case for how this could hurt all the schools in the Pac-12. And I talked about how, uh, you mentioned this, USC has some new coordinators on staff. Um, You have Cal, new OC, Bill Musgrave. You have Stanford. They've got a bunch of new starters to integrate into the fold because they had a bunch of guys transfer out. Uh, Washington, new head coach. I mean, how are they going to keep on being the greatest program in the history of college football? And... uh, and then Oregon, I, I would love to know, do you think, you mentioned location, Oregon, maybe Oregon State, are they worse off than some of these other schools in bigger markets in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, there's no question that, that an Oregon and an Oregon State, maybe even a Washington to some degree, definitely a Washington State, um, you know, Utah, some of these schools that aren't in, in rich, you know, talent areas, you know, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, for that matter, those programs, you know, you can get from Los Angeles to to Arizona or Arizona State uh, in a a fairly quick car ride. Um, And and you're talking about the Southern California area that's just, you know, full of prospects, USC, UCLA. You know, they'll be able to get kids on campus really easily because it's, hey, just, you know, come on, drive on over, avoid traffic. It'll take you an hour or two at at most. Um, You know, they're still going to come out okay, I think, in terms of getting kids on campus for Oregon. You know, it's a much bigger production. It's it it is really not as simple as you know. Hey, look, you got an open weekend. Uh, it's Tuesday. Why don't you fly up on Friday? That doesn't happen for a kid from Atlanta. That doesn't happen for a kid uh, from Los Angeles, for that matter. For the most part, on occasion it does, but not in in great quantity like you're able to do, you know, in a car ride at those types of programs. So yeah, I I think some of these schools uh, are are going to find it a little bit tougher. Um, you know, if there's one thing we know about Mario Cristobal, he's going to be a bit of an innovator. He, he came in and kind of innovated the way Oregon did its strength and conditioning, the way they recruited, and several other elements. Um, so I have confidence that he's probably sitting there game planning right now. How do we come out of this? How do we gain an advantage? How do we do, you know, how do we get these kids back on? He's probably on the phone trying to set visit dates now. That way they can come out of the, come out of the shoot on, hit the ground running. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it certainly seems as though those programs, like you mentioned, and I think, you know, maybe more so, you know, somebody like Oregon State. I mean, you, you've got to get out front of some of these guys uh, when you're Oregon State. You're really trying to build up your program and looking for some of those hidden gems, and, and, and these camps are very big for you. You know, Oregon's going to be able to recruit nationally and probably come out okay. Um, for, for a school like Oregon State, I think this takes away some very important evaluation period time. For a school like you that's really trying to build up and get back to being, uh, you know, one of the top programs in the Pac-12. Now, that said, they were clearly better than Washington last year, but that's a that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> um, couple of other 
tangents for you. Uh, we're, we're doing a shorter pod today just because, well, frankly, you're Mr. Mom right now at the house, right? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got two out of three. One went with his buddy at the lunch. I guess they, I don't know. But, yeah, and then I we had two stay the night, but they went home this morning. So, yeah, I, I fluctuate basically between three and, and, and five and six kids, but I'm, I'm down to two at the exact moment. So, All right, so a couple of Ducks things. But first, just your situation there in Sam's Valley, uh, what's, what's one thing, what's one idea you could tell people who might be in your situation trying to wrangle kids for the next month? Uh, you know, it, it clearly requires a lot of patience, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of attention, you know, um, it, my kids are somewhat self-sufficient, but they're still that, you know, Hey, can we get lunch or, you know, stuff like that going on, um, that you have to break away from. And, uh, you know, I went to the store and I'm in a fortunate position where I bought five or six board games and Hey, here's some board games. I know you guys still have internet, but we're not going to sit around and play video games all day long. Right. You know? So I, I've, it's really hard to try and work and pay attention to, okay, you, they've been playing video games for an hour or so. It's time for them to take a break. Um, you know, kick them outside, jump on the trampoline, shoot some hoops, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the biggest part is just finding things to keep them busy and finding ways to keep them engaged and finding ways to keep them from sitting here going, man, why can't we leave the house? We've been inside all week. And, you know, that type of stuff becomes very important. So I'm, I'm hoping I can get a little bit of work done right after we're done recording this podcast. And my goal is to get the two I have here now out on their bikes and go for a quick bike ride toward mm. the table rock and, and hit the store and stuff. So I just, you know, like I said, keeping it fresh, coming up with things to keep them going. Um, that's what I'm doing. And I'm sure there's a lot of other parents doing much the same. And hopefully we can all just keep fighting the good fight. Wow, that, that sounds like a really nice way to spend spring break. I'm not going to lie. It's like 60 outside here in Southern Oregon. So that sounds a lot of fun going on a bike ride, seeing table rock. Um, a couple other things for you. Um, our friend Joey Mack has combed the ducks broadcast archives. I guess there's like a, a closet somewhere at Autzen with a bunch of old game tape and they want to share classic Ducks games uh, for fans. So we have something to, to listen to and enjoy. I'll ask you, if you could pick, say, three games, any sport that you'd want to listen back to, what would they be? Listen back to? Well, one would probably first and, well, man, tough. And it's great, you know, I hate doing this because you usually only you usually only remember like recent history. You know what I mean? I'm, I know there's been some tremendous games in, in Oregon history, but, you know, for me, uh, you know, one of my favorites was, was Oregon versus Florida State and the Jamie's Winston butt fumble. Right. You know, watching, watching the Ducks <laughs> do that in the Rose Bowl. I, you know, I thought that was, that was one of my favorite games, I think, from start to finish to watch, um, you know, something that I've, I've really been able to remember. Uh, you know, I think back to, uh, you know, and I, and again, recently, Oregon's overtime win against Washington, DJ Verdell on fourth down running the ball into the end zone in Austin Stadium. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the game that, that helped Oregon land Kayvon Thibodeau. That's the game that, that really just really cemented the fact that there's a dynamic shift in the Pac 12 that, hey, this Mario Cristobal guy's for real. You know, this, <laughs> this guy's not just showing up and saying all the right things, he's actually do, doing it. Um, you know, so those are two of my favorite. And then, and then the third, uh, just for me, I, I feel like there's been so many wonderful men's Oregon basketball games, but the women beating 
Team USA is absolutely mm-hmm. something special. If you don't take that and really think that, I mean, that is that is your best that is your best comparison of a of a college team to a pro team, basically that we yeah. can that we can have. And they beat them, and that is truly something amazing, and really why, really why it's unfortunate because that team, I, I think that team was on, I think that team was headed for for uh, cutting down two more nets, like you said, and it's just unfortunate to see it cut short. Yeah, full circle. We started the show on that note. I, I'm right with you on on the Ducks beating Team USA. To me, that was the best barometer. You're not only the best college team, you prove you're the best team. Just straight up, you're the best team on the planet, and and I don't. Uh, to, to put what they did in perspective, we, we always have this idea in football of, oh, what if uh, Clemson or what if LSU or Alabama went up against the Bengals? Well, the Bengals would kill them, right? right. Uh, what if the best college baseball team went up against a major league baseball team? It would be mercy ruled. It would be like 100 to nothing. Um, and yet you have a college basketball team, school, the best team on the planet, uh, the, the best collection of professional players in the world. That is incredible to me. Uh, a couple more questions for you, and, and it's yeah. fun that we go women's hoops. True or false, all this dust settled, all this said and done, do you believe Kelly Graves wins a title at Oregon? Uh, you mean this season or he will? Just, just in the future. Yeah, yes. There's no question. I mean, Five Star Graves is recruiting. He is, I mean, he is, he's not only established this success and built the success, he's parlaying that into recruiting, which we know is the absolute bloodline for any program, football, basketball, baseball, you name it, you got to, you win through recruiting. And, and, uh, yeah, Kelly Graves has, has shown that not only is he a tremendous recruiter, he's a, a tremendous human being, tremendous at developing relationships with his players and getting the most out of them. So there's there's no question in my mind that Oregon, as long as they can keep Kelly Graves, is headed for greatness in the women's basketball profession. True or false, do you think the trifecta, winning in football, winning in men's hoops, winning in women's hoops, will that ever happen again? Ooh. You know, you, you got to peel that one. That one's an onion right there. That one's got some layers to it because, you, you know, a lot, of, a lot of teams have been good at, at and football per se, but you know, you take USC even back in its heyday, they were they were not known as a basketball program, you know, in the Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart days. Um, you know, UCLA. I mean, you think that's a school that would have a chance at doing it, but I don't know that they've ever even been that close to it. So, um, man, you know, and Stanford's good. Stanford, you know, Stanford's probably Stanford's probably the next closest school to doing it although the football's fallen off the map here the last couple of years a little bit they're probably the next but no i i don't i mean it's been i mean it's never been done before so i just i hate to say it and and, and think that it's going to be done again I, I would i'll say this i'm going to say false and i'll say i guarantee it doesn't happen in the next 10 years wow yeah i i'm inclined to agree i think duck football can get it done, win another Pac-12 title. I think women's hoops, you mentioned five-star graves, um, I believe. And and I know that Sabrina and Satu and Ruthie and Mignon Moore are going to be um, really missed next year. But if you, if you look at the recruiting numbers and you trust in recruiting like you and I do, 
Um, it's obvious that, that he is building a program that's sustainable, so I think they can win another conference title. My question is the Duck men, because yeah. I like Dana. I think Dana Altman is, is probably one of the top ten coaches in the nation, but I, I have no idea how you replace someone like Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems as though Oregon's dipping its toe in the grad transfer market. But again, like you said, somebody that that kind of lives and dies, you know, Oregon basketball, grew up in Oregon. It, it just means more to, to right. some of those guys. Right. Um, you know, I think it meant more to Justin Herbert being a quarterback growing up, you know, down the street from Austin Stadium. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, I, I am in full agreement with you. It's going to be really hard for the men's basketball. Of the three, I think they have the toughest road getting back there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's what I have. Um, obviously, you, we could have got real negative, talked about toilet paper forts and uh, fighting over bread and meat, but we're trying not to, trying to stay positive. Hope everybody's doing okay. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say this before I run out of stuff to say. I read the comments on, on this podcast every week, and I implore you, you know, if you if you folks have any questions, you have any comments, anything you want to talk about next week, let us know, because this is going to be uncharted territory, really. Um, we've we've never, I I can say this, I've never seen this in sports, and and I think I can speak for you as well. This is something completely unparalleled. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm hoping, you know, Lord willing, we never see it again. Although I I I, I can't imagine that we won't at some point. Um, but, but yeah, I guess it just, it, it gives us an opportunity. The, 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 the bright light that I'll shine, it gives us an opportunity to appreciate those things we take for granted for, yeah. you know, for sports, being able to watch them, go, go see them, being able to see the Sabrina Unescu's, uh, you know, be able to f- fulfill something that they set out to do a year ago, uh, you know, potentially winning a championship, um, being able to just go to the store, being able to go to the library, you know, the, the simple things that, you know, hey, I, you know what, it's it's 5 o'clock and my buddies want to go out and grab a beer, let's go out and grab a beer. You know, it, it, those are the simple things that at this very moment, at this at this moment, we're, you know, hopefully some of us are kind of at least sitting back thinking, man, you know, we got it pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, we can get through this, we can get back to that, and I'll just, you know, appreciate that beer that much more next time or I'll appreciate it you know, being able to walk into the store and, and grab a roll of toilet paper that much more next time. Um, yeah, it, it's a real eye, eye opener, but on the same hand, I don't know if you've noticed, but, um, you know, as we do this, you know, Scoop Duck as a community has raised nearly $5,000 uh, as a community itself for uh, for folks in need on Scoop Duck, for, for those that are losing their jobs or their tips or their wages or, or seeing a, a temporary, you know, closure of their place of business. Um, you know, it really, it's 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 it it's probably the greatest accomplishment that we've had as a site, um, and I don't say that lightly. That you know, these folks all banded together and said, "Hey, look, I've got a little extra. I'm good. Let me help somebody else out that's needed." And we've given out about a thousand dollars to folks that that have needed it. Said, "Hey, look, I, I'm laid off and we're short on grocery money. Like, hey, we got you." So, um, tremendous tribute to to this site, to this community, to people that still want to see good and do good and help, you know, their fellow humanitarian that they may or may not even know. Um, pretty, pretty special moment. Again, I think hopefully as a, as a nation and as, just as a, as a group, as a community, we can come out on the other side uh, that much stronger and better. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that sentiment. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, uh, I'm in my, my home here in East Medford. Justin is on the other side of Southern Oregon, and uh, we'll, we'll try to do this again next week. I really appreciate you listening, everybody. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're not going anywhere. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening. I can do this now.